Filling in for Mark Madden here in the 5 o'clock hour, I am Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. This is 105.9 The X, the flagship station of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we are joined right now over the phone by Matt Geitka, our beat writer at the website. Hi, Matt. Good evening. It's the darkest day of the year. We're going to get through this. <laughs> oh, you mean like literally the darkest day? It is, yes. I keep track of such things. So I get that seasonal affective disorder this time of year, so I'm just grinding through December. <laughs> well, hey, it could be worse. In Iceland right now, they've got 22 hours of darkness, <laughs> so <laughs> just dropping that one on you there, too. Very true. That's, that's funny. I was talking to Ole Mata about how it is in Finland, and he said it's a similar deal where he's from. So, yeah, could be worse. That's why they have all those saunas and springs over there to keep them happy. How? What are yeah, we talking helps. about here? Let's get to your article <laughs> that you wrote today. Well, no, you didn't write it today. <laughs> it took no. you a long time. Uh, Ryan Malone, just an, an amazing story. Some of his wounds obviously self-inflicted, the DUI in Tampa, um, the, the trouble that he's had over the years. But here he is, 38 years old, with the Iowa Wild of the American Hockey League riding buses and trying to make, and I think people forget that there's still going to be hockey in the Olympics. It just won't be the <laughs> NHL, guys. He's trying to get back to the U.S. Olympic team. What an amazing story, right? It is. It's, uh, it's quite, the, uh, quite the setup for the kind of treatment that we gave it on the website, so it was really cool to dig into it and talk to his dad, Greg Malone, who, of course, was the head scout when Ryan was drafted and uh, watched him come up and play for the team that he played for. And Ryan Malone was really the first Pittsburgh Penguin. He was the, the first Pittsburgher to make it to the NHL mm -hmm. and play for the Penguins. And he blazed a trail for even someone like myself who was just playing hockey growing up. He made the dream realistic. He made it feel like that um, we were part of the Pittsburgh scene here in, in this town, part of the hockey scene, I should say, here in this town. Um, you know, you didn't have to be from Canada or whatever to uh, to be a good hockey player. So, Oh, actually, hey, that. Matt, hey, Matt, what's hilarious is that Bugsy will tell you himself that when he played at Upper St. Clair, he might not have been in their top four or five players at the time. Well, no, beyond that, beyond all that I said, that there wasn't that much of a pipeline, yeah, he was a late bloomer. He didn't do very well until he got to, well, he went up to Shattuck St. Mary's, and then he went on to junior hockey and started to develop there and played four years at St. Cloud State. So it wasn't exactly a phenom situation. And then when he came to Pittsburgh, of course, he scored more than 20 goals in his rookie season, and that was when it was the dead puck era. So it was a really impressive output for, uh, for a guy like himself who was not very heralded despite being drafted. What's motivating him, Matt? What's, what's, what, what pushes someone at 38 to try to make a comeback? He'd been out of hockey for nearly two years completely. Uh, it was more like two and a half, in fact. Mm -hmm. He played his, well, what he thought was his last professional game for the Hartford Wolfpack in January of 2015. He wasn't going anywhere with the Rangers organization. He played six games with New York, and they sent him down, and he realized he wasn't going to be uh, anywhere near the top of their call-up list. So he was missing his two boys at home, Will and Cooper, and uh, home for him now is the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. He decided to just call it quits. He said his fire was out, as he put it to me the other night in Cleveland after Iowa's game there, and uh, he just took some time. He was a dad. He devoted himself to that, and... He was coaching a little bit in this recreational league up in the Twin Cities, and he skated a few shifts this summer. And he heard that not only will NHL players not be playing in the upcoming Olympics, but not even players on two-way contracts. Right. So that factors out a whole bunch of guys, obviously. So he started to think, I'm feeling pretty good. Maybe I can make a run at this. But, of course, he had to find a team to play for. And uh, 
thankfully for him, Chuck Fletcher, the Minnesota Wild GM, knew him from Chuck's time in Pittsburgh, and so he was willing to give him a roster spot in the AHL, and he's fit in quite well with that team. And this isn't to knock anything that Bugsy or anybody else is trying to do in getting to the Olympics, but it's going to be like the Wheeling Nailers Olympics. It really, It's going to be a lot of ECHL type of teams, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be lower-level minor league guys who don't have the NHL contract, as I mentioned. Players over in Europe, uh, for instance, the, the players that competed in this tournament in uh, November over in Germany, it was like a, a warm-up tournament. Ryan played in it over there, but it was like Brian Gianta, Mark Stewart, uh, guys who are, if not retired, then right near the end of their professional careers. And throw in maybe a couple of college guys, too. They didn't compete in that, uh, what was called the Deutschland Cup in November, so that's the main concern for Ryan. If it were just guys who uh, have long careers or, or were veterans, then I think you'd have a really good chance of making it. But you throw in some younger legs, which I know USA Hockey and Tony Granato, the coach, are going to want to bring over, then it gets really close. And as Ryan put it to me on Monday night, he's definitely on the bubble. I'm joined right now by Matt Geica, the Penguins beat writer at DKPittsburghSports.com. Matt, you covered practice today, and Ian Cole was on a pairing with Sergei Gonchar, which would have been awesome for him about 12 years ago. <laughs> what is his status right now, and is that is this pretty much a sign that he's just as good as gone? Well, I think it made your column look pretty prescient, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up, but go ahead, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the first thing I thought when I saw Ian Cole paired up with Sergei. And, uh, well, it makes some sense. You bring in a player in Alexiak and you want to get a look at him, I would think, if you're the Penguins. And he's played in 21 out of 30-some games this year for Dallas. It's not like he was on the, uh, on the bench or in the press box every night. He's a competent NHL defenseman. Now, we'll see how he fits in with how the Penguins like to play. But I thought maybe they would bump Chad Ruedel out of the lineup because Chad plays the right side. And Alexiak, despite being a lefty shooter, he plays the right side too. But instead... They bump Hunwick from right to left, play him with Alexiak, and now Cole appears to be on the outside looking in again. So there can't be a trade for the next week because of the holiday freeze. Um, but, yeah, it's looking even more so the case that Ian's time with the Penguins is numbered you or know, is uh, running out. The thing is, though, Matt, is when you're talking about running out, we might as well bring up the fact that you know their cap space is running out. I mean, they're, they're at $899,000 according to SpotTrack.com. Um, that doesn't allow you, not I was going to say little flexibility, it's zero flexibility. Cole has to get moved, but then are you getting a third-line center for Ian Cole? Where's that going to come from? Well, the money is the, the major concern here. It's not like that there aren't assets to trade, and I think Cole primary among them because of his contract situation. But say you, you dump $2 million off your off your uh, salary cap or off your salary expenditures, a third line center is probably going to cost somewhere between two and four million, I'd imagine. So Jim Rutherford's still in a tough spot here. And uh, as you allude to, less than a million dollars under the cap right now. There might need to be yet another move to alleviate some salary. They moved Josh Archibald yesterday, and, and that took about 700000 off their cap. But then you add Alexiak, who makes just under a million. So it ended up being um, you know, a, a purchase of about 200000 yesterday. Matt, you covered practice for us today at PPG Paints Arena, and that was just a little bit eventful, wasn't it? It sure was. Well, first of all, Phil Kessel wasn't there. It was a maintenance day, and uh, he was limping a little bit after the game in, in Colorado. But Phil hasn't missed a game since 2010. <laughs> so whenever he's not on the ice, it does raise an eyebrow. 
And, uh, well, he doesn't typically take morning skates either, so we might not find out totally if he's in the lineup tomorrow until right around game time. But also, Patrick Hornquist, who was sent home from the trip, which seemed to be a bit drastic and out of nowhere, mm-hmm. he was looking great, and it was a very competitive practice. Um, guys were throwing the F-bombs around. It was <laughs> it felt like more like a game out there with some of the hits that were being tossed, and uh, Jacques Martin was was uh, getting animated. He was running most of the practice as Mike Sullivan took a break. He said he uh, talked to them enough in the video session beforehand. So there, there was plenty of work done at PPG Paints this morning. Wow, how many times do you think the phrase, play the game the right way, showed up in that video session? <laughs> Maybe a few. And, and, and like Sullivan said after the, um, after the workout, he thought it was a good day. He thought it was a productive day. And he complimented his team's practice habits. But I also think that um, they could afford to uh, maybe have some more workouts like they did today as the schedule allows. And the schedule is not as bad as it used to be. So uh, they'll be able to turn it up. And as Chad Weedle was saying, they want to add some swagger to their practices. They want to add some more intensity so they can just carry that over to the games naturally. Well, that's a great line from Weedle too. He's full of yeah. those, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and He's feeling pretty good about himself. I would, too. Right now, he appears to be one of the, the top six. Yeah, why not? He got the goal the other night and, and everything else. The, the the Penguins up front didn't really shake things up as far as the lines go, but Dominic Simon is still up there with Sidney Crosby. And Matt, do you get the sense that that's even potential? I'm not suggesting Dominic Simon is a first-line NHL winger. I haven't lost my mind here. But there's a different dynamic when it's when you're talking about the Penguins because it's more a matter of who fits with who than it is whether or not you're you know a prototypical first line winger. Uh, is that going to stick for the foreseeable future? I think for right now, yeah. Well, first of all, you can't make any player moves for the next week, so the next three games, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Dominic Simone on Crosby's left wing. The two think the game similarly. They remind uh, their chemistry reminds me of Crosby's and Gensel's. Uh, that we've seen be almost borderline magical at times over the past year or so. So it was Gensel with Simone and Crosby, and Connor Sheary hasn't been himself this year. When you look at production, when you look at just how he's handling the puck and the decision-making, so it could be that Simone is the new Sheary, and he could be a um, at least a decent fit with Sid until they figure some things out, maybe make a call-up or two, or maybe make a trade or two as the season moves along. You're our stats guy at the website. I'm going to throw something at you here, just totally spontaneous here. I have uh, there's a monitor over my head here in the studio that has NHL Network on it that just kind of rolls silently. And they put up a graphic a little bit ago of the five players in the National Hockey League who have made the most passes to the slot this season. Okay, huh. uh, who tracks that? I have no idea. But number one with a bullet is Sidney Crosby at 102. So he has made 102 passes into the area that you would most want to see the puck. And I bring that up in conjunction with us talking about Dominic Simon because here again this year, this is not to pin, you know, Sid needs a winger hashtag on the situation that's going on right now. Sid just isn't playing well. However, however, could he be playing that much better if more of those 102 passes, you know, resulted in something? That's a great stat, first of all. And mm-hmm. I don't know who's tracking it, but I love that it is oh. being tracked. That, that's some of the missing data that's, that's out there in hockey, and baseball has it now with StatCast, so hockey has a long way to go to catch up. But this is part of that, that bridge there to, to figure out how are you getting to the scoring areas and right. are you doing some of the right things. And 
I think over the past two years, Crosby's missed out on a lot of those assists he used to get. And for whatever reason, I don't know, um, maybe it's personnel. Last year, Crosby just took it upon himself to shoot more, and we saw the results. I don't think he's in that spot at all right now, so he could adjust his game accordingly. But first and foremost, he's the best playmaker in the game, right? And that's what you want him to be doing. And uh, perhaps Simone might be able to figure that out or might be able to finish a few of those passes. He hasn't um, got a goal yet, obviously. Uh, but it, it's also not any kind of situation where you're afraid to break something up on Crosby's line. So um, there is a, a point where you get to for Mike Sullivan where it's too much change. and You don't want to keep switching things up just to do it, just to constantly search for that kickstart. Uh, but there, there also isn't some sort of an ironed-on uh, Sidney Crosby line spot like we used to see with Pascal Dupuis and Chris Kunitz. It's definitely a team that's searching, not just on Sid's line, but uh, to a degree on Malkin's line as well. Oh. Uh, I'm not talking about Phil Kessel, but whoever's on that left side there. Yeah, no question. Actually, you could say the same thing for the third line, too. Nobody's really yeah, figured yeah. that out yet either. By the way, second on that list of the most passes into the slot this season is Henrik Sedin. Here's guessing... Huh. We know who was on the other end of all of those passes. <laughs> He's still doing it, man. He's impressive. When Vancouver was in a couple of weeks ago, you just watch a master of work. Yeah, his pace isn't great, uh, but he is smart. He thinks the game, and I just love that players like that can still keep on keeping on, even if they're not what they used to and be. And by the way, to not torture everybody, the rest of the top five, it goes one, Sidney Crosby, two, Henrik Sedin, three, Connor McDavid, four, Blake Wheeler of Winnipeg, and five, this one's a little bit of a surprise to I me, mean, Nikita Kucherov of the Lightning, because we think of him more as a as a shooter and a finisher, which he is at, a, at an elite level. Matt Geitka, thanks for being on with us. Appreciate it. You got it, and uh, and thanks to all the kind remarks on the Ryan Malone story. It was the the favorite thing I put together in two and a half years on this website. Outstanding, and it really is too. Go go find it. I'm not just saying that because I have a little something to do with the site. It's worth your time. <laughs> it's worth your time. You'll enjoy it. DKPittsburghSports.com. Coming up next, more of your calls on hockey, 412-333-9939. And then coming up at the bottom of the hour, Christopher Carter, our NFL analyst at DKPittsburghSports.com, will be in studio. We're going to talk a little bit of football. And no, we're not going to talk about the same two plays. I promise. Almost. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic. You're listening to 105.9 X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, what's happening, Mark? Loud noises! (laughs) (laughs) The X at 105.9. It looks like Ian Cole is on the outs, I guess you could say again, with the Penguins. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com, filling in for Mark Madden today. Earlier this afternoon, Cole was skating on a pairing really somewhat mythically, if you will, with Sergei Gonchar, that's a sign that he's not going to be playing tomorrow night against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And that Jamie Alexiak, the new defenseman that the Penguins acquired, will be in there. He was actually on the second pairing with Matt Hunwick. So that means he's going to move. But it also means since they're so far up against the cap, that he's the piece to move unless you move another. And that's where you come in. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Gary in Uptown has an idea. How are you, Gary? Hey, how you doing? What's up, man? Um, my, my question basically is, 
Um, do you think the Penguins are going to try to trade Brian Rust or Connor Sherry? I can't. What do you think? I, I don't think it's worth it. Worth what? Worth whatever they would trade, Rust or Sherry. Or... Well, but you don't know what's on the other end. I mean, you know, it's easy to say in a vacuum, you know, I'd like to hang on to these guys. Well, of course you would. We saw what they did and what they've done in the playoffs. Uh, but at the same time, it's a different year, and it's a different set of circumstances. That's the part that I think is really starting to build up here. Um, I, I don't know how old you are, but if you remember what happened in, in 91 when the Penguins very clearly needed a major trade in order to win a second cup, and Craig Patrick recognized it, and he went, and he traded Mark Recchi. I mean, that that's a trade. You want to talk about one that can come back to haunt you, you know, if you miss on that. Sometimes you got to make the big moves. Yeah, I agree. I appreciate the call, Gary. Let's go to Brian in the car. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, thank you so much, DK. Hey, you know, listen, can, uh, can I ask this? Yeah, are you a subscriber, Brian? I have to ask. Uh, no, but actually Dude. I'm, I'm going to become one. You are. You know what? You get a bell just for the promise to become a subscriber <laughs> or to you. get a gift subscription to DKPittsburghSports.com. And no, I'm not above this sort of shilling. What's on your mind? Um, you know, can I be honest? I think Cole is a very, very, very solid player. He yeah. goes up every game, he has physicality, and he does a lot of good things. Why would they bring in somebody that might not be at his level to be, you know, to, you know, have to suddenly be part of our defense? I think, Brian, the answer to that, again, it goes back to money. Jim Rutherford has $899,000, according to SpotTrack.com and Caproom, and that's just not, you can't, that's basically zero because you have to keep that much of a cushion anyway, or you have one of those disasters, like remember from a couple of years ago when they could only play five defensemen because of the cap? You can't do that again. So they need to create space before they can do anything else. You know Ian Cole's not coming back, and you know that for whatever reason, and I get what you're saying about Cole, that the coach just clearly isn't wild about him and, and hasn't been for the most part, but, uh, man, I... I, I can't criticize Mike Sullivan. It's close to impossible, but at the same time, I just don't see that. Do you? Right, right. DK, one other quick question. I know you can answer this because I certainly can't. You know, last year our third line was very dangerous, and this year they're, you know, I hate to say they're a little impotent, but is there any, would there be something wrong with powering from the, like, six remaining players, you know, Sheary, even like Sheary, she and Rust, as the permanent, you know, third line so there's I mean, always the danger of a uh, you know they could score like well, last year brian the problem with bringing up the third line or even the fourth line in this particular context is that the penguins aren't getting five on five scoring from any line and that's the real problem and it's easier to talk about the third line you know they're the guys that you know you can wag a finger at and not worry about history but the fact is you know the other you know on two of these three games on this trip, Sidney Crosby didn't register a shot on goal. And that's not necessarily just on Sid, but it's, you know, it's it it's it's a thing. It's a thing. Let's take one more here before we go to break here. Slush and Manesson, you're on 105.9 The X. Love you, D. You gotta get that slush in there, don't you? Did I say slush? Yes, you must, sir. Oh, did. no! Oh, it looked like an you. L on my screen. Yes, well, you know, you do it all every time. Doesn't matter. You, you know, know that I still love you, Stush, right? You That's know right. that, right? Okay. Absolutely. Now, if if um, Jimmy wants to know <laughs> my people who I put on the list, obviously Ian Cole's on there. Yeah. He's on the next He playoffs. has to be. 
he's on the next Greyhound to uh, Wilkes-Barre. No, no, don't do that. He's been a great champion for this team. Well, I'll, I'll throw out you Don't kick him names. on the way out. I'll throw out five names. The top two, if you're going to get something, you have to give something. Yes. And the, and the person that I would look to get rid of right now would be Oli Matta. I, I think he's getting in the way. He's not doing. He, he got behind Doctor Strange gloves the other night, dude. And then take he's the been their penalty. best defenseman this season. Him, he's been their uh, best Letang, defenseman. I, but either one of them, I don't think you're going to get much. So the names that I would Stash, put you're in killing there, me, man. You just uh, 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 Matt has been their best defenseman this season. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan. But that, anyway, I'm going to get the other names out there to, to get something. I wouldn't be surprised. If uh, Carl Hagelin got thrown in the mix, well, that's somebody you're not going to get anything for because he's a four million dollar forward who doesn't score. Yeah, well, if you throw another person in there, no uh, package say- deals don't work. Don't do that. Don't take multiple players that nobody wants and think that makes them more valuable. That's not how package deals work. I trust Jimmy Rutherford. He's a but that buck. doesn't mean the other twenty nine or thirty GMs are stupid. No, I know that, but if you, I'd say the other guys, I wouldn't be surprised that would be on their way out of town, would be Justin Schultz and Tommy Coon. Okay, you, all right, you just put Justin Schultz in it. That, I've, I've had it slush or stush or whatever. I'm out of time here, actually, uh, before we take this break. When we come back, we're going to be joined here in studio by Christopher Carter, our NFL analyst at DKPittsburghSports.com. We're going to talk about football, and we're not going to talk about those two plays, I promise, almost. Filling in for Mark Madden, I'm Dan Kovacevic. You're listening to 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Bubble M, huge fan. You're talking to the super genius. No doubt, Bubble M. Hey, Mark, here's the best onion ring. Ooh. The X at 105.9. It's Wednesday at 5.30, and I'm usually sitting in the chair opposite from here. As Mark's guest in the studio, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. On the wrong side here, but happy to be here because Chris Carter from our website, our NFL analyst, is now sitting in what would theoretically be my chair. Yeah, glad to be here, Dan. What's going on, Carter? All good, man. Just cutting up the film, getting everything ready for the week. We got some Carter's Classroom video we're going to be filming tomorrow. Carter's an excitable sword, everybody. Ah. Let's talk about Antonio Brown not playing the Houston Texans. Of course he's not going to play against the Browns either, but we're sticking with one game at a time because now one of the unfortunate, well, many unfortunate repercussions Mm. of the loss the other day is that the Steelers actually do have to win these two games. Now, never mind. I mean, the Texans are just just an atrocity right now. But what specifically do the Steelers need to do to compensate for A.B.'s loss? Well, they have to make sure that they have, that they have Martavis Bryant, Juju Smith-Schuster consistently con- running through their routes, making sure they're not going through the motions and making the plays that they need that they need to do. Martavis Bryant has had good flashes and bad flashes all throughout this season. He I, had good ones the other he night. Had very good ones against the Patriots. And I think that's the thing. Like A lot of people talked about um, you know, maybe they should bench him after the Ravens game because he looked lazy. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think... The guy well, sometimes has, he does, Carter. Well, But that's the thing. The guy is so huge and so fast that when he's not running full speed, you think that he's not... He, no, sometimes he actually just is lazy. No, I, I don't think so. There's several okay. times that I see this guy blocking down the field. You know, you think back to the Chiefs game. There's one day, there's one time he's just driving a cornerback, 
deep down the field as Le'Veon Bell's running. And yeah, there's sometimes I think he might take a mental playoff, mm-hmm. but I don't see that too as often as people suggest from so him. So you liked him, you had to love what you saw from Juju. Oh, I mean, I've been loving this guy, this guy all season. He's been just he's been running everywhere you ask him. He's physical. Um, Dale Lolly and I were talking about this on our podcast on DK Sports Radio, um, and we were talking about how Juju Smith-Schuster has almost the same exact build as the Texans superstar wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. And coming into the league, Juju Smith-Schuster, he doesn't have the super duper speed and neither does Hopkins but he can go up and get a ball he can out physically you and he you know runs what? his route. I love the way you describe that you know the word I think of when I see him catch a ball and yeah. run and not just a 69 yarder but in, 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 in a lot of places authoritative Yeah, he takes charge of the situation he takes charge of making the football his coming down with it but then from there even though he might not have you know Usain Bolt speed <laughs> he finds a way to find a seam and then take off. We've seen more big plays from him this season than I think any of us had a right to expect. Yeah, I mean, the 97-yard touchdown against the Lions, that was all I needed to see. And I was like, whoa, this this guy's got some afterburners. Yeah, but one th- one time can happen to anybody. Right, one, but, one, one time, but still, that 97-yard, I mean, he if you saw the way that he, he caught he caught the pass over the middle, he outran the safeties when they had the angles. Um, that, that's a, that's something I didn't expect from him. And, 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 I, and you're right, one time doesn't do it, but he's been consistently beating people to their spots not just in the receiving game, but also getting out in the run game. Well, let's not leave out Eli Rogers from this equation because, you know, he did have the touchdown. I know all anybody's going to remember about Eli's game is the last play yeah, uh, in which he was not only covered, but he was held from behind, mm-hmm. which was one of about 5 billion holdings that did not get called yep. against New England. Uh, but Eli, maybe just from that touchdown, maybe something finally waking up a little. Um, I mean, yeah, he's, I, I, that's the thing, though. Ben Roethlisberger's never given up in this guy. Even when everything was down on him because he was dropping passes, I've seen Ben Roethlisberger like light into Eli. It's like, Eli, I expect this of you. Yeah. Um, and there was one time, I, th- I forget, it wasn't the, the Bengals game. It was, it was uh, shoot. It was a game at Heinz Field. They were in the red zone, and they put Eli Rogers. I think it was against the Packers. And they put Eli Rogers at the point of a running play, and he just gets the cornerback and seals him perfectly on a block. And Le'Veon Bell gets into the end zone, and you see Ben Roethlisberger run right up to him and say, "That's you, Eli. That's you." And he's been reinstilling confidence into this guy, despite every reason for people to lose faith in him and him to lose faith in himself, like Sammy Coates did. But he keeps coming well, back. Well, Sammy lost all his fingers, too. But yeah, that's a true. separate issue here. That joined in studio here by Chris Carter, our NFL analyst at DKPittsburghSports.com. Carter, we're going to switch to the defensive side of the ball and start first with the fact that, A, I don't care about the Pro Bowl, but, B, the players do, and, C... Cam Hayward absolutely needed to be voted into this thing. What happened? Well, what happened is that the NFL still has the problem of they don't when they when they call up defensive ends, they don't split three four defensive ends with four three defensive ends. Four three defensive ends are basically like James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, yeah, T.J. Watt. Edge rushers. They're edge rushers. They get the job done. Three to four defensive ends are more like. Defensive tackles interior that, can, that can move about, right? Yeah. And that's the thing, though. When you look at the three guys that got in for the a- 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 the AFC, you had Joey Bosa who had eleven and a half sacks, Khalil Mack who had ten and a half sacks, and uh, Calais Campbell who has fourteen and a half and absolutely deserves to get in. Yeah, and it's it's just a really tough spot for Cam Hayward to be in. Now that being said, Cam Hayward had ten sacks himself from and the is, interior, right? From the interior, and that's the thing is like, how much do you value these guys? Now remember, also a lot of players when they vote this, they also look at the fan vote. And they see who's getting the most who's attention. Popular, yeah. Right. And Khalil Mack's obviously going to be a guy that he, always yeah, his, gets a lot of attention. He, his, and he and, should, and he, and he should. But you also have to think these are often a lot of but players. But it's not the same position, basically. No, I agree. And I think there needs to be some sort of. And I'm not 
overestimating the importance of the Pro Bowl yeah, to our society. I don't, it, I, I don't know the last time I even thought about watching it, let alone watching it. Right. But there's a prestige element to it. And when Cam's teammates, and I've heard this all year long in the locker room, would just walk by his stall and go, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, 97, Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. it meant a lot to them. If he had made it. Now, that said, he's still probably going to do that because guys drop out of this game all the time. Yeah. So I just think that through this first wave, he should have been picked. Let's stay with the defense and talk a little bit about Keith Butler's scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been condensed yeah. in its criticisms locally as basically being one thing. Why didn't you double cover Gronk? Uh, you liked his scheme overall, but I'm not going to let you get away without answering that one first. Well, that's the thing. They had times where they were technically doubling Gronk. What does technically mean? And so if you're saying that Mike Mitchell didn't get there in time. Yeah, no, because that's then the thing. that's not good enough. But, well, Dan, here's 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 the problem with that. You, if you literally put two guys at the line of scrimmage on yeah, one person, which they had occasionally, which but not but not, they didn't not, follow. But, but here's the thing: is you lined up literally Sean Davis and Mike Mitchell right in front of Gron- Rob Gronkowski. Okay, well that would be weird. That, but that's what I'm saying. They can't do that, so they have to put it in a position where a person that is go- the person that's going to double, whether it's Mike Mitchell or Sean Davis or William Gay, you have to have them kind of play off and disguise that I'm doubling Gronk because if they show it right away, Brady knows Brady just going to find somebody else. Exactly. Exactly, and that's and that's the thing is that they had to disguise it. Sean Davis several times. I think the best way that, to actually work the Gronk the Gronk situation is they needed to chip him more at the line of scrimmage to give Sean Davis the edge when he. Well, that's what you and I were talking about yep. through the game in mm-hmm. the press box, sitting next to each other, and one of Let's few- just watch. Yeah. are they chipping him? Why would you not at least have a Bud Dupree or some big body up there? Chip him. Carter, they just let him, let him run through. They let him run right through as if they were fearing a I mean, penalty he's, or something. He's half a foot taller than Sean Davis. Yeah. You have to help Sean At Davis. And he's a second year player slow compared him down, to like a, Take away his timing. Yeah. Buy your defensive front some extra time to get to Brady. But here's the thing I, I don't think that the Steelers coaches didn't, didn't, didn't go in that game and say we have to chip him because remember Bud Dupree's sack that he had? Yeah, that was he, a chip. He chipped Rob yeah, Gronkowski. I mean, still I, got and, back there. And, and still got, and still got to no the quarterback. There's no reason Bud shouldn't have done that the whole game. Do you well, remember the game? But also defense? didn't play that much. Well, that was maybe also part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up finding that out once Bud became tremendous on yeah. the pass rush. Probably the best he's ever looked in a Steelers uniform mm-hmm. later on. I just think there was something to be had there. Do you remember the gimmick defense they once did with Justin Gilbert at the line? Oh gosh. But I'm saying at least you you do something. He's still their number one threat. Just yeah. because he's a tight end doesn't mean you don't double cover him. No, I mean they, they have to figure something out. One person talked about what if you bring in Brian Allen because he's six foot three and he's a cornerback. I'm like, no, you no, need someone no, who's going to no, get no, no. physical. Yeah. Sean Davis was physical, and there were several times Sean Davis challenged Rob Gronkowski. I thought Don exactly Davis. As, this is going to be not popular with the listeners. I guarantee you. I thought Sean Davis's coverage was actually really good. Yeah. He was tight. There he were was several all times. Over. He, but perfect passes and it, perfect catches. When you, when you have arguably the greatest tight end since Tony Gonzalez and you know Antonio Gates. Arguably greater. And, and arguably yeah. greater. Um, and then you have arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Those are going to be passes that I mean a second-year safety. Sean Davis is put to the ultimate test. Even though, even when he's on his assignment, it's tough for him to follow I'm through. joined in studio here by Christopher Carter, the NFL analyst at DKPittsburghSports.com. We are not talking about those two plays. Do not change your dial thinking we're going to talk about those two plays. Done with it. Let's talk about the playoffs. <laughs> uh, the Steelers, they're going to beat these two teams. They're going to get in. 
Uh, can New England possibly lose to Buffalo? A man, they've lost two of the last three times when, when they played Buffalo in New England. And now, the Bills have been really annoying. Yeah, they've they been have. like nails on the they chalkboard to teams this year. Because also the Bills, they have a formula. They can play. They can play pressure defense. They have physical. They have physical guys. But up they, front, and yep. they can run the ball. You know They're, what? That physical pressure up front. From Buffalo, mm-hmm. that was the Miami formula. Yep, that was the, that was their formula to get to get the job done. Now, now it is all fair. They played in Buffalo a few weeks ago, and the Patriots stomped them. Uh, but you know, you have to look at each game. You know, there's always a new. You know, every, any given Sunday is literally a situation, and that's what really the the Patriots went through with the Dolphins. I never thought the Dolphins stood a chance, and they just they they completely outplayed them. True or false? True or false. The Jaguars have the opportunity. To represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Well, they're, they're going to be in the playoffs. So yes, they true. They oh, have they no, have the pocket. I, you know, I didn't. <laughs> sorry, I had to hit you with the technicality. Um, I think no, because I think it's false. Because at the end of the day, as good as their defense is, Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles is going to have to step up. The seconds right. until Bortles was. Yeah, but, but you yeah. have to talk about this. <laughs> yes, he's he's a here's the here's the problem. The Jaguars are going to play a team, maybe the Steelers, that are going to come and say we are not letting you run the ball and. They need, they know, and I think Ben Roethlisberger is head over heels a lot better than he was the last time they played. He won't throw five interceptions and give the Jaguars a lead to play with. Oh, that when, defense is so good. But that's, but that's here's the so thing. Opportunistic. But now, now you're going up against watch. the Steelers offense that's on fire. That, even at that. at that point in the season, they were still figuring out a lot. We're going to talk some more about playoffs when we come back from this break. And don't forget, by the way, that at six o'clock, stay right here on this station to hear the Mike Sullivan show. From 6 to 7, it's good stuff, inside stuff with the head coach right here on 105.9 The X, your flagship for the Pittsburgh Penguins. 56. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, how you doing? We're all going to rock to the rules I make. Double M, big fan. How you like it now, bitch? The X at 105.9. Dan Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com. I am not in any way, shape, or form filling in for Mark Madden. I just happen to be here on the day that he isn't. I don't try to take his place for crying out loud. I'm joined here in studio by Chris Carter, yeah, our NFL analyst. Carter. What's up? When you look ahead, mm-hmm. what's the most ominous challenge facing the Steelers? Oh, winning in Gillette Stadium. That's gotta be it. <laughs> if you if the right right now, if everything plays out, and it's and you know, as much as I look at the the Bills and the possibility that they because they've won two of the last three in in Gillette themselves, though the I can't count that the Patriots are gonna lose one of their last two games because they're playing the Jets and the Bills. Neither really scare me as a team. You have to think the Steelers are going to be number two. The Patriots are going to be number one. Now the Patriots could get taken out. Presume you presume the Jaguars are the yeah. three seed. The Steelers are going to have to play them at Heinz Field in the divisional round. Um, then, but then you also think the, the Patriots are probably going to play either the Chargers, the Chiefs, or the Ravens. One of those three teams, and those those three teams are teams that could give them problems. The the, the Chiefs beat them this year. The Ravens have beat them before in the playoffs. But if the Steelers have to go back to Gillette, even though they were really close mm-hmm. to taking them in Heinz Field, mm-hmm. they really outplayed them. And who was the better team? Me? The Steelers. Yeah. Okay. They all play them. Who is the better team? With everyone other than, you know, the guys that are on IR like Shazier or whatever. You put all both teams' best players on the field. 
Forget all the boogeyman uh, stuff. Forget Gillette Stadium. Yeah, I'd take the Steelers. They have Why? the best personnel. Just Why? because you you can't you can't the the this you know that absolutely nobody who's listening to this believes you right right. Okay. But if you look at the Patriots defense. They are horrible. They are trash. They 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 come out they come out and as much as you can say oh they disguise this that and a the third they are they can get picked apart without Antonio Brown mid game they couldn't plan for this. The Steelers still went in there and put and put up and put up enough points to be in the game with Tom Brady and his defense uh, his offense against the defense. This, missing its yeah, center. That's that, that's the way I look at this. Is that the single weakest f- uh, facet of either team is the New England defense? That's, yeah. That that's what I look at when I when I measure this. I just. I, I, but that said, you you can hear everybody right now. Oh, well, why didn't they win? Why yeah, didn't yeah, win? Uh, uh, the boogeyman. Yeah, whatever. Aspect is going to be as everyone likes to say, real until it isn't. Yeah, I feel, but here's the thing. I don't think the Steelers feel this boogeyman they aspect. They really don't. When, you talk, when I talk to these guys after the game, they're like, we don't see him again. Oh, there, yeah. there wasn't a, oh, man, we almost had him. Oh. No, no, like, no. You know, cause I, that, they can't I, wait. I've, I've seen that from teams before. There's a part of me where, that thinks that in, in talking to these guys, they, nobody really came right out and said this, but mm-hmm. it was almost this mindset that they'd almost rather take that path. Yeah. You're like, all right. You you still think that we're not good enough? We'll prove we'll prove it. And when it when as it really opposed counts. to seeing like New England get upset in the mm-hmm. first round or whatever else. Well, see, that's the know, thing. If they go say the, the Steelers round. say the Steelers go on and win the Super Bowl because and then and the Patriots get wiped out by the Chiefs and then yeah. the Steelers blow out the Chiefs. Everyone's still going to say, but you couldn't beat New England. They're going to be annoyed as heck. They'll take that Super Bowl title, but they're going to be annoyed as heck because everyone's going to use that as an excuse. But this has happened before. You know, I heard that one, mm-hmm. and my response was, did the Penguins have to beat the Blackhawks right. both years in order to earn right. this? Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. No Is one that says what had that. to happen? No one says no, that. No, nobody says that. Nope. It was just fine beating the Sharks mm-hmm. and the Predators, wasn't yep. it? Yep. You know, title's a title. But you know what? The New England thing, until it's dead, until you go like Walking Dead style and mm-hmm. go right with the stake through the eyeball. Mm-hmm. It's going to be exactly kill, what it is. You kill them until they are dead from it. That is that is what you have to do in this situation. The Patriots, and that's the thing, the, the Steelers did enough to really win the game. They thought, and then all of a sudden they realized they got to score again. They they didn't they weren't able to recover. They realized you got to have dude. They were one millimeter yeah. away yep. from this not being a conversation, right? And the, the conversation would be the Steelers have finally surpassed them. They're the number one seed. But here's the thing: yeah. that just fuels this team more. This team has bounced back from everything that can be thrown at them. Uh, Narrative after narrative. Antonio Brown's a diva, blah, blah, blah. They're bouncing back every week and winning. Last quick question. We're running out of time here. Can they tactically, and you have to be quick here, somehow, personnel-wise, make up for Ryan Shazier's loss? Because that won't be replaced. I, I think they did a pretty good job. Sean Spence played 75% of the snaps that on Sunday. That doesn't mean he was good. No, he was actually pretty good schematically. I'm just saying. He just cut, saying the, that he was Vince, out there. Vince Williams' interception happened because Sean Spence cut off James good White. Good call. Good call. That is exactly right. We have to take... Oh, actually, we're done. <laughs> Mike Sullivan's show is coming up next. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DKPittsburghSports.com urging you to buy a This gift. is the Coach's Show with